generally speaking, Jesus majors on love. It wouldn't really be a big shock to you if I stood up today and told you we were going to talk about love and that I was going to try to teach you that love is important and that you should be striving to become better lovers of life and of people. That wouldn't shock you at all, right? We talk a lot about love in the church. It sort of just resonates from our worship and our liturgy, especially in the Methodist church. We, we major on love. We don't really like to talk much about sin. We talk a lot about grace. We avoid talking about judgment. Love just sort of oozes out of us. Many of our prayers begin like this, loving God. We sing hymns like, they will know we are Christians by our love, and I preach sermons which are centered on and geared toward and pointed toward love. We talk a lot about love, and no one is ever really shocked by it. That's apparently what Jesus is known for. And so maybe today's gospel reading comes as a shock. Jesus' favorite word today is not love. It's hate. Did you hear that? Large crowds are finally following him, and it seems like this upstart church is finally taking off. People are hearing the good news, and Jesus turns toward the crowd, and apparently his PR person didn't prep him well enough for his speech because he just kind of blows it. He says, listen, none of you can be my disciples unless you hate your family, unless you hate your mother and your father and your children and your brothers and your sisters, unless you hate them, you can't follow me. None of you can be a part of my family unless you hate your own life. Unless you take up your cross and you follow me, you can't be a part of my family unless you hate your stuff, give it up, and follow me. Anybody missing loving Jesus yet? (laughs) Hate your family, hate your life, hate your stuff. Our tendency when we read this scripture is to just rationalize it, right? He didn't really mean hate. You know, he meant keep your mother in perspective. She's not as important as you think she is. Or he really didn't mean give up all your stuff. I mean, he meant don't like your stuff too much. Just hold it loosely. He didn't really mean die to follow him. He doesn't want dead people. He wants living people, right? Let's not do that today. Let's, let's at least give Jesus the honor of hearing him on his own terms, what he actually says. If you want to follow me, you have to hate your family, hate your life, hate your stuff. That's what he says. It's as simple as that. It's the only time Jesus actually com- commands the word hate in all the Gospels. You would think he would reserve this word for things you should actually hate, like injustice and evil. Jesus didn't even say hate the sin, love the sinner, as much as most of the church thinks he did. No, this is the first time Jesus uses the word hate. Jesus reserves this command to hate for our deepest loves, our family, our life, the provisions of life and family. Discipleship begins when you begin to hate those things, says Jesus. Anyone else missing loving Jesus now? 
the word for the day saints seems to be from Jesus um, that the one one of the things that is most impeding to our relationship with God is actually the things we love. Those things we love most dearly and most deeply can be the very things that compel us toward a life most severely separated from the living God. Some of the worst of us is rooted in our deepest loves. We love our families so intensely that we'll kill other families on our family's behalf. We love our children so deeply that we'll kill other children to protect ours. We want to provide for our families so much that we continue to work and strive and collect more and more until finally we're suspicious of people who have less than us. They want my stuff. We're jealous of people who have more than us all because we just trying to care and provide for our families. Some of our worst is rooted in our deepest loves. We want to protect our families and so we go and we stock our homes with guns to protect our families from people who might do our family harm because we just love our families and we want to protect them. But then our society quickly becomes saturated with guns until violence with guns in our society is more than any other society on the face of the planet, all because... We love our families and we just want to care for them. In the history of our country, women have disproportionately been against every war we've ever been a part of. They have made, um, made both, both through voice and vote, they've made it known that they are against most wars. The War of 1812, most women were against it. We have statistics to show it. Civil War, when brothers were fighting against brothers, most women were against it. Until 9-11... When the government finally figured out how to get the women on their side, it's, it's for their love. It's for national security. And they'll fight. They'll kill. They'll wage war. Some of our most evil instincts find their roots in our deepest loves. And so Jesus' words, if you're going to be a part of my family, you're going to have to learn how to hate family, hate life, hate stuff. October 2nd, 2006 was another one of those horrific days in our nation's history when someone goes into a school, as has happened an unthinkable amount of times in our country, shoots 10 young girls, kills five of them, and then commits suicide. Shock washes over all of us again. Grief washes over all of us again. Just that familiar and gut-wrenching nausea all over again. The difference for this shooting was that the shooter walked into an Amish school, a Christian community, rather than bringing out cries for more violence and vengeance. This community extended love and forgiveness, even to the shooter post-mortem, even to the shooter's widow. They invited her to their children's funerals so that their tears could intermingle with hers, so that her brokenness could become their brokenness and vice versa. One of the spokespeople for the community, when asked how they could possibly do this, said, We love our children too much to hate on their behalf. This is the mark of a community who has had their loves transformed by the living God. That is the mark of a community that has learned the art of our gospel reading today. The art is simply this, that those things we love most deeply... 
and most dearly are just too small in the light of the gospel. When confronted with the presence of the love of God in Jesus, our families are just too minute. It's not about our families. Our life is too small. It's not about me and my life. It's not even just about me and my relationship with God. It's not just about my stuff. All of that stuff is just way too small. In the person of Jesus, we're given a new family, a new life, new treasures. And in that transaction, that transvalue, everything changes And those things that we love so deeply and so dearly before just seem so small. We love our children far too much to hate on their behalf. Our community has undergone a deep transformation of love and values when that happens. That's the sign of a community of disciples. Love is really just about our expression of values. That's that's really what's at the heart of our loves, right? Enough um, socioeconomical, sociological research has been done to conclude across the globe, in every way of life, in every economic climate, basically humans all just want the same thing. It's of course lived out in different ways, understood in different ways, but basically all humans around the world want one thing, want, want, want these three things, the same thing. First, humans just want to live a happy life. Second, humans in every walk of life just want to care for their families. And finally, humans just want to have enough. A happy life to care for their families, to have enough. We all share that. The thing is that when we're all chasing just that... Our own happy life, our own happy family, our own slice of enough. We bump into each other. We begin to create hell on earth. We don't mean to do it. We don't, we don't mean to. We're just acting out of our own loves for our families and trying to provide for them. But the road to hell, they say, is paved with the best of intentions. If you want to become one of my disciples, you have to leave all of that behind, Jesus says. Even your deepest loves. Trade them in for my loves. Trade them in for my values. The heart of this conversation about loves and values become, um, becomes transformed for Christians in this root, root of the Old Testament practice of Jubilee. It's good that we take a look at this practice this morning. In Leviticus, there's this old practice called Jubilee, and here's how it works. At the heart of the Israeli law, the Old Testament law for the Jewish people, every 50 years, the entire community celebrates this thing called Jubilee. The reason for the celebration was that as God's people, they enacted and embodied God's loves and God's values on earth. And so any property they had bought in the last 50 years went back. It reverted back to the people they bought it from. Any debts they had were forgiven. Any debts people owed them were forgiven. The notion being that in the original establishment of these people, everything was pretty much equitably distributed. And every 50 years, we had to have our loves and our values reset to remember who we were. 
they called that jubilee, somebody would stand in the temple, blow a horn, and just like that, we went back to square one. God's values, God's loves. Now, just so you know, historians highly doubt that this ever really happened. It was in scripture, of course, it was in the law, but we can't find any record that people actually did this, that a horn was actually blown and that every, everyone gave their land back to the people who um, they got it from and forgave everybody's debts. Like, there's no record of this. We're not really sure this ever happened, but the value was retained. That ideal stayed lodged in the memory and imagination of God's people. And so when the church saw Jesus... The word we had for Jesus was jubilee. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we believed we were ushered into a new age where death no longer defined us. I don't have to cling to my things or even my own life as though it's fleeting. And so Christians sold their stuff and gave it to the poor. Christians offered their lives as a witness to the resurrection. Christians lived in community together, all taking care of one another's children, not someone's children against another's. We saw Jesus and our values and our loves were changed overnight. And we called it Jubilee. That's why at the heart of our faith, we talk about celebration. We're not just happy, clappy, mindless people. We are celebrating that Jubilee has begun. Our lives are marked by life and not death. And so we celebrate the Lord's Supper because this is the place where God's provisions are celebrated and ingested in God's people. We celebrate giving our lives collectively to God because it ushers us into a whole new way of being, and it begins by having our loves converted. If you want to be one of mine, Jesus says, hate your family, hate your life, hate your stuff, and take my family, take my life, take my treasures. That's the beginning of new life and salvation. That, saints, is jubilee. Jubilee. 